Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. One verse. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate, key word, meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Church, this is the word of the Lord. Now, let's set the context here in case you don't know what's going on. Just briefly, uh, the people, the Israelites, have just been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years due to their disobedience and their great leader, Moses, has just died and now Joshua has been appointed leader of the people and been given responsibility to lead this people into the promised land. Now, let's keep in mind that when they were delivered from slavery in Egypt, God had prepared to take them right into the promised land, but it was because of their disobedience that they wandered for 40 years until that entire generation had died off. And then God was going to take them into the promised land. But even Moses, for his disobedience, was kept from going into the promised land with the people. Joshua was Moses' right-hand man. And so he is being now commissioned by the Lord to lead God's people into the promised land. Now, let's think for a moment of all the things that Joshua might need. Like if you were in Joshua's shoes, what might you need to be successful? I can think of a lot of things. One, we know that this people is not particularly easy to lead. They're complainers. They're grumblers. They're a lot like us. They're not easy to lead. And so he might have benefited from a leadership manual. He might have benefited from some tactical strategy. He's getting ready to go displace a people that are in the promised land and they're going to fight back. They're going to resist. God's leading them there. He, could, he might benefit from some military tactic strategy. He would benefit from some weather reports. He would benefit from some, some spy reconnaissance some spies going into the land and telling him what the situation is. I can think of all kinds of things that might help Joshua in the situation that he finds himself in. But the Lord says, he encourages him to be strong and courageous and then tells him that he's going to have good success if he does one thing. And it's actually a surprising thing to us, given the circumstances that he's facing. God tells him 
And verse 8, you will have good success wherever you go. Doing what? When this book of the law doesn't depart from your mouth, but when you meditate on it day and night so that you're careful to do according to all that is written in it, then you'll make your way prosperous and you will have good success. What God is saying there to Joshua is the most critical shaping influence of your life is to be my word. It's the, it's the, the item in the toolbox that you need. I just did a car repair this week and there was a, I needed to do a car repair and there was one tool that I needed that I didn't have. It's really hard to do the repair if there's a tool that you don't have. The tool, the most important tool that God says must be in Joshua's toolbox is the Word of God that he meditates on day and night. This is how he will have success. So let's talk about biblical meditation for a few minutes. When we talk about biblical meditation, what do we mean? I'll just give you a brief definition. We'll unpack the definition as we go. Biblical meditation is, I'll give you a definition in three parts. The first part is this. It's deep thinking. Deep thinking. Biblical meditation is deep thinking. So many people that I meet and people that I pastor come away is that my 10? All right. All right, so let's do a reset. Not many of you participated. I just want to say, I got one little guy back here going, okay, now we got it. Now they're going off. All right, good. Good, thank you. All right, let's reset, recalibrate. Give me 10 more, all right? I got faith. I think we can do this. Reset them. Biblical meditation is deep thinking. What I was saying to you is I've, I met so many people, so many Christians who come away from their time of Bible reading feeling unaffected, like nothing happens. I, I, I feel like I read the Bible and, and I don't get anything out of it. I don't understand it. And I don't feel like I'm changed at all. And the reason why I think for most people is because we don't understand what biblical meditation is. And the first part of the definition is that it's deep thinking. You know what? Deep thinking takes a little bit of time. Now, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an hour. But if you are expecting to get something for your soul with a one-minute reading of the Scripture, which is not a bad thing to do, but what I'm, what I'm encouraging you here with is if you want to have your heart warmed, you got to get close enough to the fire to have it warm you. Puritan writer Thomas Watson said, the reason why so many people come away from their Bible reading unaffected and cold is because they fail to warm themselves at the fire of meditation. So we've got to slow down. We would never do anything else in life like this. We, we would never approach most tasks the way we approach our Bible reading. We would never, you would never mow the lawn in 30-second increments. You wouldn't mow the lawn in one-minute increments. Imagine how long it would take you to, to mow the lawn. Imagine how ineffective you would feel if you took that approach. It's the same with our Bible reading. 
we can't just kind of open up our Bible, read it, and then shut it and expect to have some impact, some effect, some, some interaction with Jesus over his word as the Holy Spirit applies it to our hearts. So biblical meditation requires that we slow down and at least think about what we're reading. Biblical meditation is deep thinking. It's deep thinking on something, though. It's deep thinking on the truths of Scripture. So, so it's not just deep thinking. A lot of times when we think of meditation, we think of emptying ourselves. Like we s- sit there, you have a picture in your mind of someone mm, and emptying their mind. Biblical meditation is actually the exact opposite of that. Biblical meditation is actually filling your mind. But with what? Not just your own thoughts. It's filling your mind with the Word of God. It's filling your mind with the truths of Scripture. It's, a, it's analogous to eating the Word of God, meditating, chewing on the Word of God. If we want to get something out of it, if we want our hearts to be warmed, we've got to slow down to think deeply, but we must be in the Scripture. A lot of people come away from their time, their devotional time with the Lord unaffected because maybe they did some thinking, but they didn't do it on the Word of God. I need the Word of God because I'll, apart from the anchoring truth of the Word of God, I'll just spin off into my own thoughts. So the Word of God, we, we get the Word of God out and we begin to think deeply upon it. But biblical meditation is not just deep thinking and it's not just on the truths of Scripture. There's one more piece to the definition that is so extremely important and I think most of us forget this. Biblical meditation is deep thinking on the truths of Scripture that leads somewhere. It leads to a response. And I'm taking that right from what... what God speaks to Joshua here. He says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that. So there's a reason for this. Why should Joshua meditate on God's word day and night? Or why should it be such a critical shaping influence of his, of his life? So that you may be careful to do it. To do it. Whenever you read your Bible, you should be asking yourself this question. What is God instructing me to do? Now, when we think about what we're called to do, that could be thousands of things. The Holy Spirit could apply to your heart. You could be reading a passage of Scripture that describes the importance of love in a believer's life and that we're called to love one another as Christ has loved us. And the application for you that that day, what you might be led to do in response is to go tell someone that you love them. That's one application. But you might be someone else reading that same passage of Scripture And realize by the Holy Spirit's work in your life that you are bitter towards someone. And that what God wants to do in your life is to help you see you need his forgiveness. 
that you need to that you need to come to grips with what you're holding out against this person and why why you're feeling this way and and then God bring you to a place where you receive fresh forgiveness from him that he hasn't treated you as your sins deserve why are you treating others as their sins deserve one meaning of scripture when we read it, when we look at the scripture, when we read it, there's always one meaning. God intends one thing. Thousands of applications, though. So we should always, when we're doing biblical meditation, we should be deep thinking on the truths of scripture, but we should be asking the Lord, Lord, what am I supposed to do about this? The scripture always wants to accomplish something in our lives. He wants to push us to obedience. He wants to push us to application. Now, sometimes application could be joy. I want you to be happy in reading this. That's a, that's a fair response. Sometimes it could be a deep sense of conviction of sin and an action that you must take, some repentance that you must do. Sometimes it might just be something that he's calling you to. But it always should include a response. Real practical application. I want to want you to consider something that, that I've used in the past. I even use this strategy. If you're some school teachers out here, you'll maybe be aware of this. But it's a strategy that I think can really help you if you want to begin 2024 by recognizing the critical shaping influence that the Scripture is on your life and how you could take a step of applying that. It's the KWL strategy. And it's not... It is my initials, but I didn't name it after myself. The KWL strategy. And it's really simple. We've put this on the screen for you. You can do this in your, in your journal. You can just get out a piece of paper when you get ready to, to read the Bible. And so you're getting ready to read a section of Scripture like, like we just did this morning, Joshua 1.8. And so the, the K stands for the word know. And what you ask yourself is, what do I already know about this? So you, you might say, well, I know it was uh, this, and this must have something to do with Joshua. <laughs> this, that's what you already know. Then you take another step and you say, you look at the W, want. What do I want to know? Or another way of saying that is, what questions do I have about this passage of Scripture? So you're asking yourself, what, what do I already know? What do I want to know? Then you spend some time meditating and you answer the last question. What did I learn? It's a real simple strategy that can help you to actually meditate on God's Word. If you have your Bible, flip with me to Psalm 1. Psalm chapter 1. We'll just use this one. We'll use the KWL strategy on this particular passage. Psalm chapter 1, and we're not going to, I didn't ask him to put this up, so you just have to follow along with me. You're, most of you are familiar with this psalm. I'll read it quickly while you're turning. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We'll stop there. So the first two verses of Psalm 1, a very familiar psalm to us. And the writer goes on to, to speak of 
He's speaking of two people. One is this blessed person, this person that is satisfied, this person that is joyful, this person that is filled with a sense of, of gratitude and happiness. All right, so what are we at? We're at 20? All right, so set them for nine. I need a one-minute warning, okay? Set them for nine minutes. I think we can do this. So this, this, getting back to Psalm 1, it's a picture of two different people. Then he, he describes this person that's blessed. They're like a tree planted by streams of living water. They're flourishing. And then he goes on to, to describe another person who is described as the wicked. Chaff. It just blows away. And the difference between the two people is their posture towards the word of the Lord. That's what he's pointing out in this psalm. So I just taught you a little bit about it, but let's go back to the KWL strategy. Put that one up for me, Karen. Thank you. So what do we know? What do, we, what do I already know about Psalm 1? Well, I know that it is a psalm, and I know that a lot of psalms were written by David. That's what I know. What do I want to know? What do I want to know? Well, you could make your own list. You should write something down. What do you want to know about this psalm? You can write down what you want to know. Here's what I'll, here's what I'll call out. I'm interested in this. Blessed is a man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, stands in the way of sinners, sits in the seat of scoffers. What does he mean? Why, why is he telling us this? What does he mean by this? That's what I want to know. So let's think about that for a second. Blessed is the man who walks. So I'm going to envision walking. Right? And then he moves to stands. So we've got a person that's blessed who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked, doesn't stand. So they're walking, now they're standing in the way of sinners, and doesn't sit in the seat of scoffers. What's going on there? We've got this progression, right? We've got someone who's walking. We've got someone who's standing. And now... We have someone who's sitting. We've gone from moving to not moving. What can we learn from this? What's, this, what's the writer of Scripture telling us here? If you don't pay regard to the most critical shaping influence of your life, which is the Word of God, your life is going to come to a grinding halt. How did I do that? I just spent some time thinking about the Scriptures. And I see that he's making a point here that there's a progression for those who don't give their lives to the shaping influence of the Word. They're walking with the crowd. Now they're standing with the crowd. Now they're sitting. Do you see? That's the KWL strategy. Try using it this week. I, I, th I think it's very simple 
and it can help you to meditate on God's Word. Now let's think for a minute, New Year. I love thinking about goals and resolutions. I'm not always so good at accomplishing them, but I like thinking about them. But I think too often, when we think about our spiritual lives, we have these goals, but in addition to goals, there's, there's something we don't give as much thought to. So a good goal for 2024 would be to grow in my love for Jesus. You guys agree? It's a good goal. What I have found is that a goal like that really doesn't mean much because everybody would raise their hand and say, I want to do that. How do you, how do you accomplish a goal? Well, you have to create a habit. You have, to, you have to do something. You have to build a system in your life. Goals without habits are dreams. Goals without systems are nothing but dreams. There's something that you'd love to see happen, but you're not really taking any meaningful action to see that they do happen. So if I have a goal of growing in my love for Jesus and the most critical shaping influence of my life is the Word of God, then I should create a habit in my life of getting myself in the Word of God. If I want to grow in my love for Jesus, then I should set a time five days out of seven where I actually spend some time reading God's Word. Even if it's ten minutes a day, five minutes a day. You'll be well more on, your, on the path to accomplishing the goal of growing in your love for Jesus if you just get up every day, not perfectly, try to do it five days a week, and read your Bible for five minutes. Then you will be, if you just say, boy, I hope I grow in my love for Jesus this year. you got to create a habit, a system that will help you to do that. Now, a lot of research says it takes 21 days to build a habit. 21 days. I, in my experience, that's the minimum. That's the bare minimum. I think you probably need more like 60-some days to, to build a habit. Two months. And what happens over the course of two months, is that thing, that discipline that seems so hard, by your 60th day, is becoming less difficult. The challenge is getting reduced. I have, the goal, I have, one, I have a goal, I want to deadlift a certain weight this year. I want to deadlift 360 pounds. But if I don't go to the gym, that ain't going to happen. It might not happen even if I go to the gym. <laughs> but it won't happen if I don't create some system in my life, which is show up to the gym four days a week. See, I'm just going to show up. I'm not going to worry about the goal. I'm just going to keep showing up. And by showing up, I believe, history, my own personal experiences, that you get stronger if you keep showing up. You'll grow in your love for Jesus if you keep showing up and allowing his word 
to shape and influence your life. I heard one guy say it this way, Sean Blanc said, choose to do something every day until it chooses you back. I like that. Choose to do something every day until it starts to choose you back. You know, I think it, if you picture it almost like a circle, I think the spiritual life runs like this. Love for God increases as our love for his word or our time in biblical meditation increases. And as your time in God's word increases, your love for Jesus increases. And as your love for Jesus increases, your love for his word increases. And you begin to experience this cycle of reaping and sowing in your life. What we want to do is we want to be people as we head into 2024 who recognize that the most critical shaping influence of your life is is the Word of God. And so we create a habit in our lives to spend time in this Word and God's Word by the Holy Spirit taking the truth of it and planting it in your heart will begin to change you. And one of the changes will be love for His Word. Amen? How many minutes we got left? One? We're done. Let me pray, and let me ask the band to come up as I pray. So I have a minute left. Far be it from me not to use it. Let me just, let me, let me just say something, and then I'll pray. One of the things, and I'm serious, let me just get your attention. One of the things that I'll say is not only do you need to create a habit, but you have to have some kind of plan. That is so helpful in meditating on God's Word. So have some kind of plan. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to use this year. For my Bible, I've got a Bible reading plan. I bought this. I just got it uh, off of Amazon two days ago. It's a chronological Bible. It's a Bible that has been structured to follow the chronology of the events of the Bible, and they put it, somebody's done the hard work of putting that into daily readings, 365 readings. And so I will read through the Bible chronologically, and I'll read about three to five chapters a day in order to do that. Let me just tell you something. Don't go buy this one unless you're ready to work, because this one's going to be hard. And I, I should, somebody hold me to this, one of you kids that's keeping time. Let's see if Kenny gets through this by this time next year, because it won't be easy. But I believe that God's going to meet me in my study of, of this. You don't have to do that. Pick the New Testament. Make your goal the Gospels. I'm just going to read through the Gospels this next year, and I'm going to choose to biblically meditate. I'm going to deep think on the truth of Scripture in a way that leads to a response. Amen? That was probably more than a minute. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving us your word. Your word is a treasure. Lord, I pray that you would help all of us to see the critical, the most critical shaping influence that your word is and what the the role that the the shaping role that the word wants to play in our lives i pray that we would be a people here at brandywine grace who would grow in our love for you and our love for your word because the strongest indicator of our love for jesus is how much we love his word so lord i pray that you would help us to create space in our lives to slow down, to think deeply on the truths of Scripture, 
that ultimately leads us to a response of obedience. We pray that you'd help us to do that. In the name of Jesus, amen.